Good morning. Good morning to everybody here and good morning to those online. My name is Danny Conroy and I am the counseling coordinator at North Haven Church. I've been in that position for a week. So, uh, it's, I, I'm honored and uh, humbled to be here this morning, so we're going to talk about the Great Commission, Acts 13. What is it that God wants in our lives? I never used to need these, but as I get older, print gets smaller. So, in July 1969, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, and he said, this is one small step for man and one great step for mankind. There were over a million people watching that on television, millions of people. Is there anybody here who remembers 1969? Think about what's happening now. There are over 2.3 billion Christians in the world. But that's not enough. That's not enough. So as we look at it, Barnabas and Saul took the first step, the first major step, to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. They left their home, their church, and initially, uh, when they did that, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. We read that in Matthew. Jesus is talking, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So initially, Christianity started out pretty much stuck in Jerusalem. But then the persecution started happening and Jews spread through, through Judea. Well, then the Holy Spirit stepped in and said, ah, that's not enough. To all nations, carry the word of God to all nations. Initially, it was small, but it's grown. And the big thing we get from that is, and behold, I am with you always. So Jesus isn't saying, I'm with you sometimes. He's saying, I'm with you always. Those moments when you're hesitant, those moments when you're not quite sure what you should say, God knows. The Holy Spirit knows. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And God knows. They went to Antioch. Antioch was a big city. It was a Roman capital of Syria. It was big. Hmm. Okay. A multicultural city, a competitive place, fast living, wealthy, a lot of money. And it was a city of low morals, pagan religion. And right in the middle of that 
was the church of Jesus Christ. Antioch was a gateway to the east. It was a large city, second only to Rome and Alexandria. It was a big place. Perhaps it was the New Orleans of that time period. But Christ was there, right in the middle. And one day, if we look at Acts 13, 2 and 3, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So they were worshiping, they were praying, they were connecting with God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Set them apart for the work that I have planned for them. So as we look at that, has the Holy Spirit set, aside, set you aside for work? Is there anything planned that the Holy Spirit would like you to do? I'm going to bet yes, there is. All of us. The Great Commission. Spread the word. Preach to all nations. While they were worshiping and fasting, there were prophets and teachers among them. Now a teacher said, this is the word of God. A prophet says, um, this is the word of, uh, what, what, this is the written word of God. A prophet says, this is the word of the Holy Spirit and moves us. The Holy Spirit moves us. Moves us forward, moves us to where to the side. You know, in, in my life, um, I look back and I never intended to do what I did. Wait a minute, that didn't sound right, did it? When Annie and I were engaged, I said, uh, Annie, the St. Paul Police Department is going to hire police officers. I'm going to take that test. She said, oh, that's great. We just won't get married. Because I could never be married to a policeman. And I said, no, 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 it's not that big a deal, Annie. Don't worry about it. And I was running computers in 1969. Now, if, if any of you remember computers in 1969, they were far different than they are today. Okay? We had a, a huge computer. It was an IBM 36030. And that was a, a big, fast computer. By big, I mean it took this whole room. Anyway, so about a year and a half later, the chief of police in Matamidi, I don't know if any of you know where Matamidi is. Well, the chief came to my door one day, and I, I didn't know the guy, and he came to my door and he said, the city has authorized me to hire a, a, another police officer. Would you like the job? Completely unsolicited. And I said, well, let me talk with Annie. And she said, fine, if you must. Now, she still wasn't overly enthused about this. So, a year and a half later, St. Paul Police Department was hiring. Now, in Montemita, I was earning $400 a month, working 80 to, 70 to 80 hours a week. 
And the St. Paul Police Department was hiring, and they were paying $8.50 a month for a 40-hour week. Now, I'm not a math guy. Okay? So I got another fine, if you must. And, and at that point, my goal in life was to, to work in a squad car with a partner for 30 years and, and just have things, then retire. And my partner and I were having a great time. We had fun. We, we caught criminals. We played pranks on other cops. That was what life was all about. And then the spirit moved again. And he said, oh, no. You're not going to settle in here. I've got other plans for you. And he pushed me to school. At that point in my life, I had a two-year degree in law enforcement, which qualifies you to do exactly one thing. So he pushed me back to school, and, and the, the short ending of this is um, he ended up using me to counsel police officers and their families through some very, very difficult times. It was something I had never planned on, something I had never intended to do. But he said, go. Go back to school now. And school wasn't my best friend. Some of, some of, some of the people here are probably very academic. I'd gone to the university before, and I left there after two quarters with a 0 0.176 GPA. Now, do you know how difficult that is to maintain? Anyway, so what, what the Holy Spirit did is he said, to this, this gathering, we had Barnabas there. Barnabas was a Jew from Cyprus. Simeon, who was also named Niger, who was black-skinned. Lucius from Cyrene, west of Egypt and on the coast of Africa, possibly a Gentile. Manan, who grew up with Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, and Saul, who was impressively educated and had trained under Gamma as a rabbi. It's a pretty esteemed group. And the Holy Spirit said, take Barnabas and Saul, and I, am, I have work for them. So the church prayed over them and sent them on their way. Did the church have time to plan this journey? Or did they just go where they felt led? I think sometimes we say, okay, um, maybe you've thought this. God, I'm willing to go along with your plans, but give me some advance notice. Tell me ahead of time what you want me to do so I can prepare. Is it really us that prepare? Or is it the Spirit who prepares us? Who moves us along? We don't do it. The Spirit does. So they went with the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessings of the church. Both of these are important. And as you look at this passage, what we've really got is a twofold message. What's the purpose of the church? To worship. Certainly. That's what they were doing at the church in Antioch. They were worshiping. 
and to carry the word of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Worship and missions are the functions of a church. Twofold. Twofold. So when we move, when the Holy Spirit moves us, we go. We need to go. But moving isn't always easy, is it? How many have moved houses in the last five years? I have. I wasn't moved by the Holy Spirit, though. I can tell you, it was Annie's decision. Now, she might have been moved by the Holy Spirit. But it's not easy. We get into that comfort zone, don't we? We tend to get comfortable where we are. I think we need to, to continue to move. We need to, to look for the word of the Holy Spirit. What is it? And we need to step out of our comfort zone. Paul never stopped preaching. So from Jerusalem all the way, he says, from Jerusalem all the way to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Can you imagine Paul sitting around, having a beer, watching a Vikings game? Paul was preaching. And when we look at what does preaching mean? Does it mean standing up here like I am doing? Certainly that's, that's a part of preaching. But I, I would argue also that John's preaching when he's leading us in worship and a fine job he's doing. Don's preaching when he's teaching his Sunday school class. Rand is preaching when he's teaching his Sunday school class. We're all preaching when we're worshiping God in what we do and carrying the message, whether by word, deed, or example. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do that not with just our words. And Paul was busy carrying the good news to the ends of the earth. So when they landed in Paphos, there were three people that they met with. Proconsul Sergius Paulus, Elimus Bar-Jesus, and then there were Saul and Barnabas. Now, can you imagine Barnabas and Saul were in Pathos and they were summoned to see the proconsul? What might that have felt like? Could that have been like, like getting called to the principal's office? Without knowing why? You know, imagine this. Imagine when you were working, if you're retired or if you're still working, imagine your boss calls you into the office and says, or calls you or texts you and says, be in my office at 2 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. You get that text this morning. You're going to spend the whole weekend thinking, wow, I'm going to get a raise. I'm going to get a promotion. 
You know, I almost got to be a lieutenant in the police department because my, my boss told me one day that if I kept doing what I was doing, I wasn't going to be a sergeant much longer. So what do we tend to think about when we are summoned like that? Now, who's this proconsul? He is one of the most powerful people in the world, isn't he? At least right there. And what's been happening to other apostles? What happened to Stephen? Yeah, he was martyred. So when, when Saul and Barnabas were going to see the proconsul, do you think that they felt safe? Do you think that they thought they were going to get, a, get, um, get him to be a believer? That that's why he was calling, to learn about Christianity? Or do you think they might have said, uh-oh, are we in trouble now? But they went. They went. And they ran into this guy, this, this sorcerer. And as they ran into the sorcerer, Paul said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Wow. Is that confrontational? So, but that was the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, wasn't it? And I think that the Holy Spirit still speaks through us, if we allow it. I was part of a conversation the other day, and I was really surprised by what one of the women in that conversation said. And I looked at her afterwards, and she said, I was just standing there listening to the words coming out of my mouth. But it had a very positive outcome. Sometimes we catch ourselves saying things that that aren't things we'd normally say. A few years ago, I was teaching at St. Mary's. It was a, uh, an adolescent psych class. And a woman came up after the course was done, and she said, Dr. Conroy, you changed my life. And I said, wow, that's cool. But I don't know how an adolescent psych class can change a life. And she smiled and said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, of course I do. Every week you sat right there. She said, no, that's not it. Six years ago, you arrested me for prostitution. When you were booking me into the jail, you said six, five words that changed my life. You looked at me and said, you're better than all this. Now, that is not a phrase that I would use. She said, I heard that, I left my pimp, I stopped being a prostitute, I started going to church, I lost 60 pounds, and I've almost finished my four-year degree. Five words that weren't my words. Five words that were a phrase that I would have never used. Brought this woman from the life she was leading to church, 
to school. It gave her an opportunity to find faith and to move beyond where she had been. So this was the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's always what needs to be said. Now, without that Holy Spirit speaking through me, I'd be tempted to say what Paul said. But we also need to let the Spirit speak through us. And what happened, this gave Paul and Barnabas an opportunity. And after they witnessed what happened, after they witnessed the change, the magician went blind, the sorcerer went blind. There was somebody else in the Bible that went blind temporarily, wasn't there? Wasn't it Paul? And here he is, he's talking to this sorcerer, condemning him. Boy, this is almost like deja vu, isn't it? Quoting Yogi Berra, it's deja vu all over again. So what happened then was the proconsul was impressed and he became a believer. Do you think that when they were someone, Saul and Barnabas thought, oh, he's going to become a believer? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So then they went to Sidon and Antioch and Paul preached in the synagogue. Now, it's not unusual for Paul to preach in a synagogue. Paul was a Jew. He'd been brought up a Jew. Barnabas was a Jew. But yet, when, when Paul started preaching, he connected. He made connections with the audience. You've got to get people's attention before they'll listen to you, and you've got to find some way of connecting with them so that they'll listen to you. What you're saying has to make sense, and it has to be something they can relate to. So what Paul started doing is preaching from the Old Testament. The Jews knew the Old Testament well, didn't they? And this is just going along, going along, and, and they're really feeling good because he's talking about their positive relationships with God. And then all of a sudden, in, in verse 23, Paul takes a sudden left turn. He's not talking about Jewish history anymore. What Paul says is, from this man's descendants. He had talked about Abraham all the way through David. Now he says, from this man's descendants, God has brought Israel, the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Talk about something that's going to shake things up. He begins with talking about John the Baptist. After me is one coming one who I am not worthy to tie his sandals. He talks of how Jesus has fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies. The death, the resurrection, the redemption is all there. And he concludes in Acts 30, 13, 38, and 39. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. 
Through him, everyone who believes is set free of every sin, a justification you were not able to attain under the law of Moses. Paul starts out and he says, therefore, my friends. What's he doing? He's reconnecting, isn't he? Therefore, my friends. Now, they were following the law of Moses, but as we know, the law of Moses will not get us where we need to be. In Ephesians, Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works. In Romans, he writes, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. In Romans, later he writes, The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This is the good news. To all who believe, we're saved. And Paul is telling the Jews and the Gentiles in that synagogue, all you need to do is believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Wow. Aren't we blessed to be included in those who believe? Those who believe are saved. Nothing we can do to earn salvation. It's free. So then Paul concludes with a warning. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. For I am going to do something in your days that would never be, you'd never believe if anyone told you. Paul's quoting Habakkuk, paraphrasing Habakkuk. And when God was talking to Habakkuk, Habakkuk was whining about the injustice and unfairness in the world. And the Babylonians were building this big army. And God said, hey, something great's going to happen, but you wouldn't believe me if I told you. So the next week with the big city, the big crowd, Scripture says almost the whole city. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds that were filled with jealousy, they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. Boldly. The Jews were jealous of the size of, of the group, the audience that had come to hear Paul and Barnabas speak of Christ. So they started badmouthing them, started saying negative things. When we speak the news, share the good news with others. Are there people who will contradict? Who will say, oh, you don't need to believe in that. And what were the responses of Paul and Barnabas? They spoke boldly. Can we speak boldly? Ought we to speak boldly? Yeah. They spoke boldly. 
They spoke boldly of Jesus Christ. Wow. And afterwards, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine feeling that joy? Being filled with the Holy Spirit? Man, I can't think of anything better. Feeling that joy. And this isn't just a, a momentary happiness. The disciples knew they were doing God's will. And it brought them joy. If we look at the Minnesota religious landscape, you know, Doug Elliott was so impressive with numbers last week that I wanted to bring some numbers. In Minnesota, 56% of the adults believe in God, absolutely certain, saying, I am positive that there is a God. And yet only 18% participate in prayer or religious study at least once a week. So would it be fair from those two, those two numbers to say we have unchurched Christians? Or we have people who say that they're Christians but are unchurched? 25% of the adults believe in God, and they're fairly certain. Fairly certain. And yet 8% participate in prayer or religious study once or twice a month. I think most of us have conversations with God on a daily basis. Can you imagine the emptiness you'd feel? Only once or twice a month. 6% of the adults in Minnesota are uncertain about God. 8% participate in prayer or religious study several times a year. Those are what we used to call CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. As you, as you look at that landscape, what are we seeing? So, I'm going to ask you, is Minnesota perhaps an end of the earth? Now, I've got a friend who lives in Florida who would absolutely agree with that. Okay. If, if I'm going to carry the mission of God to the ends of the earth, what does that mean for each of us? It might be that I can't go to... Uh, Mexico. Does that mean that I cannot carry the word of God to the ends of the earth, to the unchurched or unbelieving people? We each have different gifts, don't we? As I was sitting here this morning watching John, I am so glad that I'm not up here. You know, I used to go to a different church, and they had a big Christmas concert every year, and I was in the choir. I remember my first day, the uh, choir director said, are you a bass or a tenor? And I said, I don't know, what's the difference? He said, well, go stand next to that guy, he'll tell me. Well, so then when the Christmas concert came, he looked at me and he said, how would you like to be the narrator? <laughs> I was so glad, that's John's gift. But it certainly isn't mine. So what are your gifts? And how do they fit in with spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth? 
What can you do right now? And remember, you're not alone in this. You're not alone in this at all. Jesus is with you to the end of the age. So then Isaiah 6, 8, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Every one of us should be saying, Here I am. Send me. With no qualifiers, well, send me, but send me someplace warm in the winter. Send me someplace close to home. Send me, and God will enable you to go where he wants you to go. Send me. Can, can everybody here loudly say, send me. Ready? Send me. Wherever you want me to go, send me. Okay, and we conclude with our church prayer. And I'd like you to read it with me. We are the church. We have received power from the Holy Spirit. We are Jesus' witness to the world. We will give the love of Jesus to each other, to our community, and to the ends of the earth, because we are the church. Thank you, God bless, and have a great week.